In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Light is good, eh? Mate. This month we've been speaking about my story and his story. But this is the last week of the month, and I just thought I'd talk about his story. And it started right back there in Genesis. And what was God all about? What was God all about when he created us? He was about bringing order into the chaos, light into the darkness, giving the oil of joy for mourning. He's about bringing blessing and favor to us. God is for us. Praise his name. And uh, our theme this year is about making disciples and growing in God. The theme is harvest, but if we're going to have a harvest, we need to make disciples. We ourselves need to grow in God. If we're going to grow in our capacity to reap the harvest and gather the harvest in, to go out there in the community, to live selfless lives, the life of Christ before the world, we, we need to come on a journey with God. Come on a journey with God. You know, um, on Thursday, Ruth and I were in Auckland, went down to a conference there in Auckland, Christian conference, and we stayed with my sales and marketing manager that night, we were to go and stay with him, and it's in Albany, and we're heading there, and uh, you know, there's a lot of new roads, and Auckland's a bit like a jungle anyway for us that have come out of the bush, we sort of lose our way a bit, so we're very thankful to use a map, maps on the phone, and uh, there's a lovely woman, I haven't ever seen her, but um, Siri, she actually talks to you and shows you the way. But the problem was we were getting towards where we were going, towards our destination, and then Evangeline rings up because she's back home up here and she wanted to have a conversation at the same time over Bluetooth through the car. So Siri's chatting away. She was quite rude because she, didn't, she actually talked over Evangeline. And I was quite annoyed about that, but I didn't tell her, I didn't tell her that. I didn't say anything to her, really. Because um, I find when I talk to Siri, she doesn't actually want to talk to me. She just wants to say what she wants to say. But anyway, but anyway, we had to let Evangeline go because we went past a few roads and why there was two voices going on, we actually missed two or three turnings that we said, Evangeline, we're trying to find our way. We're going to have to get back to you later. We'll have to go. We're on a journey. And God has sent us a great light to lighten our pathway. He sent Jesus. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. And we need a road map as we go through life. And there's, because there's different voices coming our way. And we can get confused with the chaos. And in the, in the beginning, when Reuben read that out, there was chaos, but God spoke into the chaos and he said, let there be light. And I don't know how you're going in life today. I can't see you very well from where I am. It's a bit bright, the lights. But you look to be all happy and smiling. But maybe there's someone here who's going through chaos in their lives and God wants to speak into your life and he wants to give you a road map. And he's given you his word too, which speaks of Christ, which is a great map. I love the word of God. 
We love the Word of God here at, at, at Excite. And we love looking into the Word because it gives us direction and guidance. In fact, it says in Psalm 119 and verse 105, it says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. And we're on a journey through life. My brother and sister, my friend here today, sometimes there's chaos, but God wants to bring order into the chaos. Jesus himself is our roadmap. He is the Word. He is, a, he is the Word. You know, he, I, love, I love Jesus. He, he has captivated the affection of my heart. Reuben was talking about giving 100%. Well, there's no one that gave like Jesus. He gave it all. He went to the cross. And I love to follow him because he's my Lord. That means I follow him. That means he means the world to me. He means everything to me. Because he came for me and he went to the cross for me. I'm going to show you some verses here from Genesis. We're still in Genesis. And I might need a water bottle if I start yelling at you. I'm not actually yelling at you, I'm just passionate. I'm not yelling at you. Don't take it personally. I just get excited. Because it's exciting, it excites. I love reading about Abraham because he was a father of faith. He was an awesome guy. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out! What did he say? Get out! Good grief. Get out. Get out of your country. Good grief. Get out of and from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. That's a good word. I don't like that curse word. But I like, and I don't like curse words. As Christians, we don't use curse words. But we are a blessing. He's going to make us a blessing. I like that word, blessing. Hey, say blessing. Sounds good, eh? Blessing. I love blessing. And what else did he say? I, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. Wow. And I will curse him who curses you. That's amazing. The thing I want to say is to you today, that the Lord, I feel, is saying, that maybe you're on a journey through life and you've got stuck. You ever driven down the road and it was muddy? We've got Tarsil roads these days. Well, if we're on the farm track or something, you might get your car stuck or on the beach. I've done that before many times. But God's saying, no. He's saying, get out. You might be in a rut today. You might not be moving. You might be in the same place you were a year ago and God's saying, get out. Just remember, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling for you. Years ago, we used to take beehives down to the Pukki. And we'd, go, we'd have to load them up at night when all the bees were back home in the beehive and we'd load them on the truck and we'd have a certain amount of time to head all the way down to the Pukki. We'd have to drive all night. But we got tired because we'd probably work the whole day before we load the hives on. And, and you'd get to the stage where you had to pull over and have a little nap. 
And thankfully, there was two of us, so you'd get one to stay awake while you had a 10-minute cat nap. The moment you stop, you got that tired. You're almost driving over the centre line. You're not supposed to drive when you're tired. But uh, we'd stop and we'd have a 10-minute cat nap, and I'd just keep the other person awake. But if we went to sleep and lost a couple of hours or three hours and then woke up and it's four or five in the morning and we're miles away or hours away from where we're going, we've got a problem on our hands because all the bees would fly out when it became daylight. We'd be driving down the road with bees flying out everywhere. We'd get to the orchardists and they had no bees to pollinate. So that would be a big problem. Maybe there's somebody here that you've pulled over and you've parked up and you've gone to sleep. And God wants to wake you up today and he wants to say, get out. Get up and get going. You know, people park up in places in life, they do. And then they blame everyone else for their situation they're in. And then they end up blaming themselves and becoming depressed. But God's just saying, don't look within, look without. Look to Jesus. He's our roadmap. Perhaps you're in that place of unforgiveness and God wants you to get out of it. It's not a good place to be. A place of disappointment. A place where self is more important than others and, and God and you're just living life for yourself and God's saying, no, no, it's time to get out of that situation. And you need a roadmap and you need God and you need the Lord and he's there. He wants to bless you just like he blessed Abraham. You know, as we journey through life, we realize, we begin to realize how self-centered mankind really is. I want to talk to you about, as we're going through a roadmap, about four things today. Four things of importance. As I follow the Lord, as I look to him, there's four things. Four things, or four places of great importance. I want to share that with you today. And the first one is, yes, you guessed it. It is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We used to sing, there's so many hymns sung about the cross. The cross, the cross, the wondrous cross, t'was there my Savior died. Or when I survey the wondrous cross. Or the way of the cross leads home, and it does, I tell you, there is no other way than the cross. If you, God wants you to have a roadmap today, but you cannot skirt around the cross. If you're going to follow the Lord, and he said, remember a few weeks ago we preached about Jesus and how he said, come follow me. When you follow him, you find he went to the cross. It upset the disciples a little bit. Even Peter, he said, no way, this ain't going to happen to you. And he had to get rebuked by the Lord, but no, the cross is a very important place for you to come. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you don't know how much God loves you, maybe you've never been to the cross and taken a long look and just seeing the Savior, my Savior, dying there in your place. I've been there. I've seen the Lord dying in my place. I'm talking spiritually here, not physically. And I've appreciated the fact that God loved me so much that he commanded that love of his to me by sending his son to be my savior and to die in my place. The cross is a very important place to come to. There he died for my sin and for my selfishness. He took your place. 
There His blood was shed. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. He dealt with it all there. Wonderful place, the cross. In Galatians 6 and 14, Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by who the world has been crucified to me or put to death to me, and I to the world. When you come to the cross, if you really come to the cross and you receive Jesus as Lord, you'll be ruined for the world. You won't be able to go to the places you once went and watch the things and glory in the things you once gloried in and laugh about the jokes that you once laughed about because it will change you. It's a wonderful place to come to, the cross. And it was in the darkest night when men had done their worst to Jesus that the brightest light shone out of the chaos of it all. And the love of God was displayed for you, my friend. And it's infinite and it's eternal. And many waters cannot quench love, not even the waters of death and the billows of death that rolled over the Lord Jesus Christ. And he took your place and my place so that we might have salvation, forgiveness, and that we might receive the gift of his righteousness in the place of our sin and our, our unworthiness. You know, when I was in the primers at school, into Copru, south of Dargaville, little one-horse town, brought up there, I was only a farm boy. What do you mean only a farm boy? Farming used to be the backbone of New Zealand, didn't it? Shouldn't say only a farm boy. Some farmers here today, come on. Now, the, down the end of the rugby field was this little house. And once a year, it was a, it was a dreadful place. It was a little, tiny little box of a little place in the school grounds. And once a year, a lady would come to that house. And then we'd have children coming down from the classroom. One at a time, and they'd come back, and they'd tell someone else, and they'd come back looking grave. And the stories came out of there. It was a terrible place. We used to call it the murder house. And you'd go down there, and they'd grind away at your teeth, and, and, and sometimes they'd have to get right down to get out all the rot out of a tooth with these slow grinders, and, they, and sometimes they'd even have to extract the tooth out. And I used to be afraid of this. Every time a kid would come back to the classroom, I thought, mate, maybe I'm next. And your heart would be skipping a beat. It was terrible. It really was. Stories would come out. The kids would say, oh, they'd gloss it up how bad it was and they'd come back like this. And we'd get more and more afraid to go to the murder house. The trouble was, my surname was W and I didn't even work it out that the reason why I didn't get picked is because I was probably going to be the last one. And here I'm panicking every time someone came back. It wasn't a nice place, but it was for our benefit. And the cross wasn't a nice place, but Jesus took our place. That all the sin of the world would be extracted out, and God would get to the root of the problem, and he'd destroy it all, sin in the flesh. And he'd remove the man that sinned, which is self. And self would be nailed to the cross with Christ. Paul said, I am crucified, or put to death with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. That's the first thing. The second thing. The second thing is, the second place we come to, you guessed it, it is an empty tomb. It is an empty tomb. Maybe you've, you've, you've actually stopped at the cross. Maybe God wants you to come and see 
There has been a resurrection. That Jesus is alive. We're not remembering someone who died. We're, we're here, glorying in our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, someone who has risen from the dead. They came to look for Jesus in the tomb. And he said to them, why do you look for the living one? The angels said that were sent by God, why are you looking for the living one among the dead? And I'm sure sometimes we're like that. We're looking for Jesus in all the wrong places, but he's alive. And we see him at the cross, and then we come and see that there's been a resurrection. And not only that, we've been raised up with him. And the Bible tells us that we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ. You need to move forward in God. You need to follow the Lord. That's what he said, follow me. You need to come and just see where he's been and where he wants to take you. He came to earth to take us somewhere. Sometimes we're so afraid of things, aren't we? We were in Auckland just the other day, as I've already said, Thursday night. Suddenly my phone alarm goes off about after 11 o'clock at night. We got to where we wanted to go. And it's a shared alarm. Now, that could be a fire. could be someone trying to break in to steal our honey. And I'm in Auckland. So I quickly ring Reese. We've got about, it goes back to about four phones. So Reese was already on his way when I got through to him, so that was good. So then I rang my field manager. He had already left Scudder's Beach. He was on his way, so I was ringing him to say, well, you don't need to worry. My warehouse manager, he, came, he was on his way there as well. So they get to the shed. To find out, you know, it's like everything. when the alarm goes off, it's like, what's happening, you know? You ever, you ever feel that in life? What's going on here? Come on, quick, we've got to sort this out. Get to the shed, they get to the shed, and they check all the doors, turn the alarm off, reset it. Nothing there. Everything's okay. The next day, Carmel goes into the office, and she finds out, because we have a sensor in the office, there's a mouse dead on the floor. We thought it was a big thing. We thought there was big trouble. And then the mouse had come in from the field and, 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 and we have to have bait stations around. No doubt it had eaten some bait and had done a dance around the office. Who knows? But here's this poor mouse. And we love mice, don't we? It's a lovely creature. Dead on the floor. You know, it wasn't something big. It wasn't a lion. It wasn't a roaring lion. It was only a mouse. It was one of the smallest things. There is someone that parades like a roaring lion, but it's, he's only a mouse. He might be upsetting our life a bit, but I wouldn't even give him that authority. We just go through life, and the things that happen in life are just things that happen. We live in a world. The landscape's uphill, down dale. We go through trials. We were told that in the Word. We're, in this world you'll have tribulation, Jesus said. Well, it's only a mouse. He's dealt with it all. He is defeated. Never give him any glory. You are more powerful than that mouse. He wants to be a lion. But Jesus wants you to know he's been defeated. His greatest weapon is death. But Jesus, through death, destroyed him that had the power of death. And so we come to an open tomb and we see the victory. And we say, thanks be unto God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Have you been to that place? 
You can't get to the tomb if you don't go to the cross first. And if you do come to the tomb, you won't get out of it. It might be you're still entombed if you haven't come to the cross. You're still walking in a dead body. You haven't, you're not experiencing the resurrecting power of the life of Christ in you. His spirit dwelling within you. That's what happens when you come to the cross and receive Jesus as Lord and his Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. So there is the cross, there is the empty grave, very important places. But then Jesus will take us on further as he wants us to follow him. And he does it for a reason, and we'll get to that. We come to a place, and of course I'm going back here now, I know you know your Bible. We're going back to when he was when he cried with a loud voice when he was on the cross. And what happened when he bowed his head and said, it is finished, and, and dismissed his spirit, what happened? The veil in the temple, this thick curtain that was about four inches thick, we're told, or a very, very solid curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place, and where only the high priest could go in once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people when he had to go in with blood of an animal sacrifice. Because God's glory dwelt there in the most holy place. He was there. And there was this curtain that kept man out. Well, when Jesus died and said, it's finished, somebody ripped that curtain from the top. Imagine it like this. Where's his curtain? From the top to the bottom. Amazing. Some powerful hand ripped it open wide to make a roadway, an access, a way in. Now, Jesus is the way. He's the way back to God, to our Father. And it's very significant that God has opened up a way into his presence for us. It's significant that he has dealt with at the cross everything that would separate us from him. All us feeling unworthy. You know, do you know what happens when you feel unworthy? You want to you just gap it. You want to get out of town. You want to go away. You want to get away from your family. Teenagers sometimes go through that. I did when I was young. I just wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to gap it. I didn't feel very worthy. I felt unworthy. But God wants to welcome us back home. It's the opposite. And so he's ripped the veil, and it says there in Matthew 27, verse 50, 51, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Amazing. And so now we can have access back into God's presence. It's an amazing story, really, his story. God sending his son into the chaos, chaos and darkness of this world. He said right at the beginning, let there be light. And so uh, Jesus has come. And he's come, come to lead a, a cosmic prison break. People who were bound by sin, Jesus has come from eternity into time. And he's come to break us out of the prison we're in. Just like God said to Abraham, get out. It's time to get out. It's time to follow the Lord Jesus to where he wants to take you. Sadly, many people never get past the cross on their journey. That's because of inadequacy, failure. They, they almost set up camp there. They come back to it time and time again. 
but never get out into life, resurrection life, where there's no guilt, no sin left. It's all, all the grave clothes are left in the tomb. They just, they just, that's as far as they've been. But there's not only the cross, there's the empty grave. Then there's a ripped veil. People love parking up at the cross, though. And it's a great place to be. It's never superseded. You know, we sing songs over and over again, don't we? Like, open the heavens wide because of where we're standing. But yet, when you come to the Word of God, we find that the veil has been rent. Heaven has been opened. God is for you. He wants to bless you. Not only bless you, but bless them that bless you. <laughs> That's incredible. We sing Holy Spirit come down, but on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. If you've been to the cross, He dwells in your spirit. Ephesians 2, you has He quickened or made alive who were dead. You were dead, but the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you now. We, I, I love singing, Holy Spirit, flow out. We are the temple. The water, living water does need to flow out to a thirsty nation from our innermost being. Jesus said there is a well of water. It's springing up into everlasting life, eternal life. It's within you. He spoke about the Spirit within. You have a well. If you've received Jesus as Lord, you have a well within you. And, and the people need to drink and draw water from that well within you. Holy Spirit, flow out. Flow out to our nation. See, someone, there's a mouse that comes along and he wants to stop that water from flowing out. Yeah, trample on him. That's it. Come on, Andrew. That's it. He is here. People cry out to God. The Lord's people cry out to God for revival. Why? Are they looking for something down the road that might come their way? Are they saying yet it's going to be four months in the harvest is going to come? Do you know where the revival is? In the blessed Son of God. I'm in Christ and He's in me. And mate, you've got revival. If it's revival you need, Jesus is here. The Spirit of God dwells within you. How come that well has been stopped up? Sorry, I didn't have, I didn't have that in my message. We better move on. Eh? <clears throat> he is the revival center, Jesus is. He's the revival center. And if he's in you, if you receive him as Lord, you, you are revived. He's a living bread. He's a living water. Not only is he here with us, wherever two or three gathered, but his spirit is with us. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. How do you think your Lord feels when you say, Lord, we want a revival, we want a revival, and he's going, I'm here, I'm here. We want a revival. But if you don't want me, what do you want? What a slap in the face to God. Everybody needs Jesus, but he's arrived. God has spoken the light into the darkness, into the chaos, and he brings order out of that chaos. But he gives us a map. So there's the cross, and there's an empty grave, and there's a rent veil. What else could there be? Behind the veil is a most holy place. Guess what it is? It's home. 
He, Jesus came to take us to the place where he lives, where he dwells. There were two disciples of John the Baptist, and they, and they ended up, I think it was a couple of John the Baptist's disciples, but anyway, they said to Jesus, where do you dwell? And he said, come and see. And then they followed him and went with them. Jesus wants you where he dwells. He loves the place where he dwells. When we were kids, as kids do with imagination and that, we had all these secret places, you know, like I had a friend called Roger Kidd and he was a farmer's son and out the back of his house, his house there was this big wilderness. It was like a whole lot of, it was like a bush area, you know. And we used to go exploring out there. Then he'd come to school and he'd tell us, oh, I've got this special secret place and it's like amazing. And, or, or, or else we'd be up in the hay barn at home and with five of us brothers and we'd be building huts. We didn't have TV when I was a boy, so we made our own fun. But we used to love these special places and these secret places and you want to come and see it. We love to brag about it. Well, Jesus has a secret place. He has a place that he loves, and it's a place called home. And it says that in Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he has come to take you home. But you've got to follow the map. And you need to get out. And you don't need to stagnate. And you don't need to live in unbelief and self. If anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's true. You've heard it so many times, you've, you've become familiar with it, but it's true, he's a new creation. Not the same order of the self-centered man that, or woman they once were. A new creation that's other-centered. Why are we preaching like this? Why, why did God send his son if he didn't want us to move with him to, and go places? How are we going to make disciples and grow in God if we have stagnated ourselves? The early disciples turned the whole world upside down. Jesus wants to take us to be where he is. What does he say in John 14 and verse 2 and 3? He said, in my father's house. He said, I want to tell you about my father's house. There's many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you. Why? Because I want you there with me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So then we wait here like orphans. Why did he say that? I'll just finish that. That where I am, you there you may be also. Jesus wants you where he dwells, in the place where he loves. It's the most holy place in his Father's bosom. He talked about it when he was down here. He said, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. He came from that place. He declared the love of the father. All things have their existence in God. That's why we started back in the beginning. And it's all about his story. And he wants us to take us back home. And he wants us to take us right into the holy place. It's not just enough just to come and see to the cross. Because the cross speaks of the judgment of God. It speaks of the love of God. It speaks about sin, but God wants to take you to a place where there is no sin, where there is no failure. There is no feeling of unworthiness. There's no sadness or sickness or pain. It's into the most holy place where he dwells. The most holy place. And it says in John 17, when Jesus was praying to the Father, verse 24, he said, Father... I desire that those also who you've given me, that they might be with me where I am. 
wonder. I wonder. Do you want to go and be where he is? Is there anyone here who wants to dwell where Jesus is? Because when we say that, we start to think of futurism. We start to think, oh yeah, that's when I die, I will go to be with heaven. No, no, Jesus, the word tells me that even now I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. That is my home. This world's not my home. I've been raised up when Jesus was taken up there and seated there. As far as God's concerned, when it comes to his will, his ways. See, when you come to the cross, it becomes the end of my own self-centered will, and it becomes all about God's will, and I will the same thing from there on out, because I'm a son of God. And that's what he wants. He wants to take you home. You know, on Friday night, Chloe was over at her cousin's, who live right next door to us. There's only a six-meter-wide driveway between the two houses. And uh, it was getting towards midnight, and of course, being the loving father that I am, I was concerned that my daughter would come home in the dark and she'd be safe. And it was my job to see her home safe. So I text her and say, what time are you coming in? Let me know. She says, I'll be right. I've, I've got a tea, uh, a key, sorry, not a tea. And I said, no, you text me when you get back, uh, when you're coming home, and I'll come out with a torch and I'll see you home. It's only six metres, mind you. It's not a long way. But it's my responsibility as, as her father. I love my daughter and I want to see her home safe. And God wants to see you home safe today. He wants you to dwell where he dwells. He wants you to come right home. That's the whole importance of the of the story of the prodigal son. But sadly, sadly, much of the church seems to almost be like the older brother and they stand without. And they're still crying for revival and crying for the Holy Spirit to come. And the rest are in there making merry and they're happy. But do you want to come? Do you want to come? Amen. Jesus wants you there with him. He hasn't left you stranded here. You're not alone. He sent the son to be the savior of the world, but... He didn't stop here. He's carried on. Heaven is open and you can enter in. Mind you, if you've never been to the cross, you won't feel like going into the holy place. You'll feel unworthy. You've got to stop off at the cross on the way. And you've got to unload that weight, that baggage, that big, big pack of sin that you've got and self-centeredness. You've got to leave it there and come and see the victory in the open tomb and come and see the veil is rent and come into the most holy place because... I want you to, Jesus is saying, I want you to be with me where I am. And then you'll behold my glory, which God, my Father, my Heavenly Father has given me. But will you come? Will you come? Perhaps there's someone here who's never been to the cross even. You still feel that you're burdened down with your latest sin. And, and Jesus just says, just come. This morning you can, you can receive him as Lord of your life. Just bow our heads. If that's you this morning, I want to speak to you this morning. Jesus loves you so much that if there's no one else in the world, he would have come to the cross just for you. He would have taken your place there. God loves you. He sent his son for you because he wants you to be with him. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And you just need to look and see that Jesus died in your place. It's a look of faith. 
This is spiritual here that we're speaking about. Another dimension. We're not talking about the physical now. But he died for you and you can just ask him into your heart right now. You can receive him as your Lord and say, yes, I turn from myself. I turn to you, Lord. Your love is for me and I want it. And I want your will for my life. And you can receive him as Lord of your life right now. Is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus for the first time? Put your hand up now if that's you. Is there anyone here? Is there someone here who just wants the Lord in their life? You feel all alone, but you just want the Lord in your life. You've never received Jesus. You've never been born again of His Spirit. You want to receive Jesus today. Is that anyone here? Simply just pray to Him, even in your room at home. Wherever you are, in the car, you can just invite him in at any time. He is for you. Perhaps there's someone here that, or even many here, perhaps you've been going down the road and you've pulled over on the side and you've parked up. Maybe you're parked up at the cross or at the tomb, but you know there's more for you. And God has more for you. And I want to tell you, He's got more for you today. And you want to just get out of the rut you're in in life. If that's you, as we sing this song, I want you to come forward. We want to pray with you and speak blessing. Because God says, I will bless you. And I will bless even those that bless you. And so as you go out into the community, you will be a blessed person because you're walking into all that God has for you. He wants you to come home this morning. He wants you to come home. Follow the Lord. He is our roadmap. Revival is in Jesus. Be blessed this morning. Let's sing together.